0: Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Brother Brown, for allowing me to come. Wonderful to hear Brother Graham preach this morning in Sunday school. Tremendous. Love the music. I travel a lot. The Lord, for many years, has been kind to allow me to preach in 60 to 65 different churches each year, aside from pastoring our church in Bridgeport. And that trio could sing any place I've been. They were excellent. And your orchestra. I just want to echo what the preacher said about that. I did not know. You could get background music that wasn't either Bach or rock. That was good. I enjoyed that. Appreciate the choir. Open your Bibles to John, if you will, please. John chapter 12. Preacher, what time do you normally begin the invitation on Sunday mornings? Three in the afternoon, okay. Well, I'm going to feel like I used to feel when I drive around the hills in Tennessee and the speed limit was 75. I look at my old car, look at that speed limit, look at that curve, and I think, well, I'm not sure if I can make it, but I'll try. <clears throat> Anybody want to tell me the truth? 11? He ends at 11, okay. <laughs> I, I, heard about, I heard about a little uh, girl who was new in class, and the teacher's trying to get to know her, and she said, well, uh, sweetheart, what does your daddy do for a living? She said, my daddy is a magician. Oh, the teacher said, that's nice. Uh, Does he have any favorite tricks? Yes, his favorite trick is sawing people in half. I like that trick. I've seen that trick. And then she said, do you have any brothers or sisters? She said, yes, I have a half brother and two half sisters. So I'll try to give you a half sermon here this morning. John chapter 12. Do you usually stand when you read the scripture preacher? Not always. I do whatever the preacher does, as long as it's not illegal, immoral, unethical, or fattening. (laughs) Three out of four is not bad, right? Then Jesus, John 12 verse 1, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead. I get excited every time I read that. We never talk about death in the past tense. Well, Lillette, is your mother alive? Well, she was dead. I haven't checked recently. I'll run down there to the grave in South Carolina and see if she, No, no, she is dead. We never talk about death in the past tense until Jesus comes and he turns us from death unto life. If you're here today and you don't know that you have a home in heaven, you can walk out of this room certain that every wrong thing you've ever done has been forgiven, that God has given you everlasting life, that Jesus has saved you from your sin, and that you'll go to heaven the moment that you leave this earth. Lazarus, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, and they made him a supper. Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This is... He said not that he cared for the poor. Judas should have been a politician. They always wanted to take your money and give it to poor people. They never want to take much of their own, but they want to take some of your money and give it to the poor. And this they say not that they care for the poor. Well, what was the reason? But because he was a thief. (laughs) and had the bag, and bear what was put therein. Well, I think the analogy still holds. I love Brother Graham's story about the man who was held up for his money. But uh, I heard about a guy in Washington, D.C., and he started to mug a guy and said, give me all your money. The guy said, I am a U.S. congressman. Well, he said in that case, give me all my money. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor you always you have with you. But me you have not always. Lord, I pray that you'd guide me as I speak and empower me by your Spirit and help me to say just what you once said for this crowd of people, this time, this particular Function about raising money to get the gospel to the world. Lord, you said every time that the seed was sown, the devil and his demons come try to take it away. So I pray you'd bind them, keep them from that. Nobody can spoil the strong man's house except he first bind the strong man, you said. So bind them and then, Lord, let us be good ground. Help us to determine to receive willingly what you have for us. Bless the preaching, bless the invitation. Meet with us, we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name, amen. If I ask my wife, Christy, my beautiful wife, to whom I've been married for over 45 years, we got married when I was 20 and she was (laughs) 7. If I say, honey, would you like me to get you some flowers? She always says no nah you know they don't last all that long you don't need to give any flowers but if I get my wife flowers oh my she cuts the bottoms off at an angle and she puts them in a vase and she sets them out and she takes pictures and she sends them to the girls and she shows everybody that comes by both times I bought her flowers she's done that (laughs) flowers are perishable They really don't have any value except to look pretty and smell nice. You could buy something much more practical than a bouquet of flowers. Maybe some people would even say it's extravagant to give a gift like that. We come in our passage to a woman who loved Jesus very much and gave him an extravagant gift. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about extravagant love. Notice, first of all, the method of Mary's love. The expression of her love was public. In front of all the guests, everybody was there at supper, and Mary, when all of them were gathered together, knelt down and gave the ointment to the Lord Jesus. It honored the Lord Jesus to see him loved in such a fashion in front of the guests. It was a good testimony for him to be so glorified. I don't know what your preacher does, but sometimes in our church we ask people to share a gift that they're making. The commitment to a special project, you say, oh, no, no, you shouldn't do that. Let not your right hand know what your left hand do it. Well, let me give you a couple of thoughts about that That's from the Sermon on the Mount. And the Lord Jesus, right along with that verse, says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. He did say, Do not your alms, say he did, you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. If the motivation is to impress people, it never pleases God. And by the way, he said, let not your left hand know what your right hand doeth. He's not talking about you and somebody else. He's talking about you and you. I think that means don't let the hand that keeps the budget tell the hand that gives the money what to do. Public. The method of Mary's love was not only public, it was extremely personal. She anointed his feet with ointment. And she wiped his feet with her hair. You know that in Bible times, people wore sandals. There was no sanitation system. And your feet would get really dirty, sometimes nasty dirty, as you walked around. And it was a common courtesy when you sat down to a dinner at a house of any means at all to have somebody come along and wash your feet. Humble task, a task usually given to the lowest of servants. nobody ever washed anybody's feet with their hair. I don't know a lot about women. Somebody gave me a book one time, What a Man Can Do to Understand a Woman. I looked at it. Every page was blank. (laughs) True story. But I have learned over the years they're fussy about their hair. My wife will say on Sunday afternoon, "Honey, do you think I need to set my hair again?" No, it looks great. Well, I think maybe it's fallen. No, no, this is fallen hair. <laughs> I remember way a long time ago, my brother-in-law, who's preached here, Pastor Jackson, his wife Kathy, and my wife and I were in Pennsylvania, where he was a youth pastor, and before most cars had air conditioning, we we're going to get pizza. And we could not open the windows of the car in 90 degree weather going to get pizza because it might mess up the girl's hair. (laughs) Mary doesn't take a towel. She takes her hair. And she wipes the feet. Feet that have walked out in dirty areas of the Lord Jesus. But you know, Mary always liked to be at Jesus' feet. Martha in Luke 10 was in the house serving, and Mary was at Jesus' feet. Martha stood in John 11, and Mary fell at his feet and wept. And it spoke of her affection. It spoke of her humility. It spoke of an attitude of sacrifice that involved very personal parts of her being. An attitude that said, I want to do anything I can to show love and affection to Jesus. Notice not only the method of her love, notice the measure of her love. It was an extravagant expense. 300 pence, you know that a penny, a denarii, was a day's wage for a working man. If you work five days a week for 52 weeks, you've worked 260 days. If you work six days a week, you'd be a little over 300. Take a few days out for holidays that the Jews observed, and you've now got a year's salary for a working man. How do you want to equate that today? 30, 40, 50 thousand dollars? How much is it meant to marry? I used to wear Avon cologne because my mother sold Avon and my grandmother sold Avon, and very briefly, my wife sold Avon. Avon or old spice or brute whatever was cheap. A family joined our church from French Guyana. They couldn't get a job, though the man had been trained as an accountant. The wife taught. Phys Ed and other things to help in our Christian school to pay for the tuition of their three children. They lived in a little rental house in a real bad section of town, and one day they said, We want you to come over for dinner. So my wife and our two daughters were home then. We got in the car and drove down to Atwater Street in Saginaw. Boy, they had a really nice meal. They gave us some of their native foods. We didn't use Forks and spoons, though they had them, they had a thick kind of a tortilla called roti. You tear off a piece of the roti and eat the food, and it was great. And then they had a real fancy French dessert, and they got all done. Esther Yanson brought out gifts for every member of our family. I don't remember what Chrissy and the girls got, but she brought me a little bag, and I pulled out of the bag a green box with gold foil printing on it. It was a cologne, a man's cologne, called Polo. I'd never heard of it. And she had this verse on a little card about ointment of Spike nerd, very costly. And she underlined the words very costly. Now I thanked her, I liked the smell of it. And a few weeks later, I was in a men's store in Saginaw, and they had that, but do you know what that stuff costs? Do you know how many bottles of Old Spice you could buy for one bottle of Polo? <laughs> Though what Mary had was way more expensive than that. They do have colognes that people that have more money than cents will spend thirty and forty and $50,000 for a bottle of extravagant expense, but not only that, as I think about the measure of her love, it was an extravagant expression. Let's suppose you've got some cologne worth $30,000. You can't give it away, you can't sell it, you got to keep it and use it. So how would you use that cologne or that perfume? (coughs) You watch Ladies? Little dab, I think they used to watch Cream commercials or something, you know, little dab will do you. You got to be old to understand that. But Mary didn't do that. Now if I had some cologne and I was going to have to use it for myself and I couldn't sell it or I couldn't give it away, I'd want to have just a little bit at a time. I want to make it last a long time. Mary didn't do that. She broke the box. And she poured the whole box of ointment very costly on the feet of Jesus all at one time. And Judas says, why was this waste of the ointment made? It could have been sold for 300 pence and given to the poor. Cold-hearted, unloving people never do understand extravagant love. See, real love is not always practical. It's often sacrificial. When I was a boy living in Detroit, we would sometimes get illegal fireworks. They're legal now, but they were illegal then. We'd buy them in Canada, smuggle them across the border. I remember my dad saying, Now, son, when the man asks me if I have any fireworks, you keep your mouth shut. We had black cat firecrackers, remember them? And they'd come with all the fuses, kind of twined together in the middle. You'd take them off, and and I I liked firecrackers. I mean, we we would shoot them off one at a time, one firecracker, one frog. My dad was out in the yard with me one time, we we're gonna shoot off some firecrackers and I had the package and I was gonna to start to unwrap it and dad took it and he just let the fuse at the end of it with all of them trying to get him. I said, Dad, you shot them all off at once. He said, Yeah, isn't it fun? <laughs> Mary gave everything to Jesus at once. Her love wasn't poured out, it was It wasn't sprinkled out, it was poured out. How do you demonstrate your love for Jesus? I believe in faith promise giving. I practice faith promise giving. I'm not boasting. But the largest single expense I have, figure it every week, every month, every year, however you want to figure it, is faith promise giving. More than my mortgage ever was. More than a car payment. More than a mortgage and a car payment put together. I believe in it. And I never feel like when I put that check in the offering, and I'm not there today, but my secretary has the envelopes, and our co pastor, Brother J.D. Howell, who will succeed me in May, God willing, will see that the money goes in the plate. I never feel like I'm doing anything special. Mary didn't either. I want you to think about not only the measure of Mary's love and the method of her love, I want you to think about the motivation of her love. What would move her to take a box of women worth a year's salary, break the box, and pour it all on the feet of Jesus at one time? Well, I... I think probably Mary was motivated by her regeneration. The fact that she had, through Jesus, found the truth of eternal life. The fact that she now could live forever in heaven. Some of you remember Dr. Paul Vanneman, pastor of the Dixie Baptist Church in Clarkston for many years, founded the church. Paul Vanneman is one of the most unusual men I ever knew. He pastored a little church in the country, went there. They had 50 people. They grew to about 250. said, so we get out of the country. we got to get over on the Dixie Highway. They said, no, our grandfather's built this church. We're staying here. He found a chicken coop. He got permission to use it if he'd cleaned it up. And he stood up one Sunday and said, folks, I'm going to the Dixie Highway. I'll be there next Sunday. You come with me if you want to. And 50 did and 200 didn't. He built a great church there. He was different. I was walking around the property as a young man who showed me different places. They had a practice soccer field, goals set up, chalk lines out. I said, that's a nice piece of land. Oh, he said, we don't own that. Some woman owns that. I said, it's nice. She lets you use it. He said, well, we never asked her. It's just how he did stuff. He had a deacon's meeting one time. He said, fellas, I need some more money, 30 bucks a week. The treasurer came back two weeks later. He said, preacher, we got together. We decided to give you a raise. It'll be $15 a week. And Paul Vanaman said, I said 30 bucks. And he never had another deacon's meeting. Never. But I gave him a $1,000 love offering one Tuesday night in the summer back in the early 90s. Great service, people gave well. And he said, didn't that fun giving money away? And he said, you know what, I'll do with that, don't you? I said, no, sir. He said, I'm putting it in the missions account of the Dixie Baptist Church. He was different, but I, I never knew anybody loved Jesus any more than he did. He'd call me up on Monday and re-preach the sermon he preached on Sunday if he really liked it, and I'd take notes, and if I liked it, I'd be done studying for the week. (laughs) At his funeral, one of the preachers that spoke, Herb Noe, told about Dr. Van calling and talking to him about a verse he'd gotten excited about. He said, you know what I did, Herb? He said, I leaned down. And I kissed that verse. And when I did, I felt I'd kissed Jesus. He never got over getting saved. He told me his story often. He was a lad in church and they said they were having a cottage prayer meeting. And he had no idea what that was. He thought they're going to go to some guy's house and eat cottage cheese. Well, they went and they read a story from John 6 about a lad with a little lunge. And Paul Vanaman says, that a little boy, I said, Jesus, you took that little lad's lunch. Would you take me? And he would say, I love him, boy. I told him this morning that I love him, and I really do. I think Mary was motivated by the fact that she'd been regenerated because of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I think she may have been motivated not only by her regeneration, but by Lazarus' resurrection. Here is a lady whose brother was dead. And when Jesus comes, they said, oh, Lord, if you'd been here sooner, our brother could have lived. You could have healed him. And now it's too late. And and yet we, we, we still trust you. We still love you, Lord. And Jesus wept. And he said, roll the stone away. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead stood bound hand and foot in the grave clothes. I think she was motivated because somebody she loved had been saved by Jesus. Are you saved? Anybody you love been saved? Anybody in your family whose life has been changed because of Jesus? But I know she was motivated by His redemption. Let her alone, He said. She hath come to anoint my body for the burying. I looked it up on my phone just to double check, but if I'm right, six days from now, Jesus would be crucified. Doesn't matter what you do with the ointment in six days. No time to give another gift six days from now. And Jesus had told people that he was going to die, that he was going to be buried, that he was going to rise on the third day, but almost nobody got it. Mary got it. Mary listened, Mary understood, and Mary said, Lord Jesus, you're going to go and give your life as a sacrifice for my sins and the sins of the world. What could I ever give to compare to that? Is your love for Jesus sprinkled out? You're going to give him an extra five bucks a week, one coffee at Starbucks. Or is it poured out? I read a story of an old man who was a farmer. Had one daughter. His wife had died when the daughter was young and he and the daughter had grown up together, kind of. He'd raised her. And that young lady felt called to be a missionary to China. It was years and years ago and the only way across the ocean was by a boat and A little church out in the country gathered together to have a farewell service for Susie Parker. It was going to be the last time she was with them before she went to China. It was sad, and yet it was sweet. They are excited one of their own was going to be a missionary, and they realized Brother Parker would be all alone. Toward the end of the service, the preacher sort of spontaneously, kind of like your preacher with his addendum to the offertory, I'm not as talented probably as your preacher was, but he said, Brother Parker, would you like to say a few words? And the old man shuffled up to the platform, his shoulders stooped, his face weathered, his hands curled and gnarled. He said, well, I'm not much for making speeches. All I have to say is nothing I have is too good for my Jesus. If he wants my Susie, he can have her. She got on a boat. She sailed toward China, but a terrible, we would say, tragedy occurred. The boat sank and Susie Parker died before she ever stepped one foot on Chinese soil. They had a memorial service for her, no body, no remains. And it wasn't bitter sweet this time. It was just bitter. All the verses he could quote and all the reminders of heaven that he could give and all the illustrations he could think of. The preacher could not pierce the darkness. The awful cloud that covered the small congregation that day. And almost in desperation, he said, Brother Parker, would you care to say a few words? And for the second time in not too many weeks the old man made his way to the platform he said well all I have to say is what I said before nothing I have is too good for my Jesus if he wants my Susie he can have her Lord thank you that you've given us eternal life because of the shed blood and given life of the Lord Jesus help any who've never trusted him to do so help all of us to think about our love an expression of it will be given in just a few hours probably we make a commitment to determine how much further we want the gospel to go how many more people we want to hear it How many more messengers we wish to enable. But really, how we want to demonstrate our love for our Savior. Speak to our hearts. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.